Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Roggie. Holy crap, David! <laughs> this must have been what 1066 felt like. Uh, no, we lost that one. 1966. Yeah, 1966 is slightly better. Am I <sighs> dreaming? Was that England we just watched, Rog? I think it was Ukraine, to be candid, but let's take <laughs> it, David. Let's dive in, because I've got to say, I, I'm i not even English and I'm tingling. Well, oh, let's get used to the pronouns right now. From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Bedford, the crap part of the South Fork of Long Island, it's a Men in Blazer Spotify Green Room Euro 2020, played in 2021, instant reaction pod. Oh, it's not clear that football's coming home, but now we know its childhood bedroom is still there. The little bed's been made up. It's available if football wants it, Davo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is sort of coming home, Rod. It's at least coming home for the semi-final. <laughs> Uh, which is which is enough. Uh, when they say it is coming home, I believe they do mean Spotify Green Room, though, really, Rog, where we've been doing live broadcasts every match day of the tournament. And yes, we post them as podcasts immediately after they're complete because we're, because we're like that. But trust me, Rog Tears, be they of happiness or sadness, sound different when you hear them live. Plus, being on the app is the only way you can participate in the Q&A section. Todd, all it took for English greatness is for me to renounce my citizenship, write a book about my love of another far superior country. And it's like a curse has been lifted, David. Yeah, it's like you've bloody... lifted the curse of Rog. No God. one is happier about your book. Congratulations, Rog, the, the cover of the review section of the Wall Street Journal, your pronouns have ch- turned to the uh, first-person plural when talking about England, and you're all over the Wall Street Journal, your favourite newspaper. Mate, I love I, it, Rod. I can't stand looking and hearing <laughs> me. So let's, let's talk about the green room, which is like, for us, we've always said Men in Blazers is a three-way conversation between me, you, oh, and the GFOPs. Mm-hmm. And this app's allowed us to do it live, David. We're going to do it live! Yeah, there's also the voices in your head, Rod, so it may be four-way. Uh, for those of you on Green Room with us right now, no matter which cabin you're in, ask your questions in the chat section, and we'll take the best ones at the end of the show. Can you kick this whole thing off with a toast rock here, Leo? Oh, mate, I can, I can, I can. I'm just writing a little note to myself for a line for Morning Joe on Monday. But I will give you a toast when you demand one, Dave. I'm opening this, but, oh, I raise... 
my first 18th bud of the day to this stage we are sharing together. 28 teams have come and gone. Four now survive. The end of the tournament so close that we can taste it. And whatever happens, what a tournament we've shared with its stripped-back precautions in Stadia. It's one that's had the football product front and centre. We've not had to like suffer through celebrity-filled boxes and A-listers and Insta-influencers and hype merchants filling our screens. We've just had... Wait a minute, there's, there's McManaman. Oh, mate, McManaman is a demigod. Do not knock yeah. it. And by God, we'll talk about it. That was a great studio today. But it's been you know, about the football, about the goals, about the own goals, about the buccaneering football month of our dreams, forging moments of true humanity. I raise my bud fam, blood fam to that, and the memories we'll treasure together forever. Like today, Dave, so much love today. Yeah so much and stories of human redemption as well as I watched the highlights of Harry Kane's uh, brace uh, on the screen in my room yes the game we just saw Ukraine nil England for a comprehensive confident demolition of Ukraine puts England through to the semi-finals in just the third minute Raz slipped a ridiculous ball through a thicket of Ukrainian defenders to find Harry Kane, who poked home to give England the lead. They doubled that advantage in the first minute of the second half with Slabhead thundering one home with that beautiful Yorkshire Fivehead. For those who don't know his nickname, that was Harry Maguire. Kane added another, and Hendo grabbed one off the bench. This was a performance, Rog, that not even the English media will be able to hate on. Just wonderful stuff. Gems, gems, gems. Thanks, Meredith. Um, oh, mate, mate, mate. The English bandwagon rolls on and on. You know, Southgate, talk from the beginning. You've got to build your way into tournament play. We've got to peak at the right time, which kind of is a great way to approach a tournament, both because it's true, but it also means you can play like crap at the beginning and say it's all part of the process. Trust the process. And ahead of this one, England returned to their four at the back. And I want to know, how did you feel, David? Forget where we know now. Just remove the spoiler alert of knowing the ending. Because we should say, yes, I am American. But we've lived our life back when I was English with so many dreams <laughs> turned to shattered dreams. I mean, David, one word, Iceland, round of 16. We were overwhelming favourites then. We were overwhelming favourites now. How did you feel before kickoff? Because I've got to be candid. I have never been more confident of English victory, and it felt shocking. Ah, Rog, it's a different England now. You know, this morning, got up, watched breakfast at Wimbledon, and I watched this amazing young English girl, Emma Raducanu, from southeast London, Rog, Romanian father, Chinese mother, makes her way in her first ever major tournament, makes her way into the last 16 of that tournament. Just a different kind of performance, a fighting performance by a young English tennis player uh, who didn't play like, didn't look like any English tennis players who've come before. And this team, they're not an England team like we've seen in the past. This is a group, as we've said a lot, a group of young kids, really, from all over the country, from all kinds of backgrounds who are forged together, who do so much great work, you know, it's more than just for charity. They literally do great work. They are great humans led by, as you said, Barney Ronay from The Guardian called him the last sensible man in Britain, <laughs> Gareth Southgate. And 
at this point before the game, I just trust Gareth at this point. I look at, I don't even really need to see the starting lineup. I go, whatever Gareth thinks, that's the way to go. This is all it took to have a great English team finally is to, um, is to have a team united by their hatred of the press. That is, that's all it took. You know, I, I will say the over, only thing to, for me to fear ahead of this one was overconfidence. And I've got to say that's where Southgate is unbelievable. Just that you, you can see the amount of psychological work. And we'll talk more about this in uh, this podcast. He will not allow them to fall into that gap right now. And Ukraine from the off set up to soak up pressure. And it worked really, really well for them. For about three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, in a way that just worked beyond your wildest dreams, that Raz reverse slip past, David, did it make your nipples tingle? Yeah, and also, look, this is the human narrative of the tournament, Rog, for England, certainly. Raz and Kane have been the focus of the English media for so long. Raz, oh, he's not even good enough to make the final 26. Harry Kane, he's done. Southgate's got to drop him. And, of course, it was a little run by Raz, that little reverse slip pass to Harry Kane, who is yards on side, but somehow, with zero speed, manages to find so much space behind the defence because his timing is so good. And an excellent finish, 1-0 England. Oh, I'm looking at the comments. Joe Morris in the chat. Says Rog pronoun slips are the official drinking game of Euro 2020. <laughs> should get a drink sponsor, Joe. We should get a if only, if only we had a drink sponsor, Joe. Oh, I'll just open another Budweiser. Yeah, Roger's you know, pronouns are we, ours, and us. I will say, Kane, he's back. A fine finish, a tumbling chip. You can imagine he practices those in training. I'm going to do the little fake out where I fall over, mesmerize the keeper with the tumble. And give it a little clip as I do so to duke the keeper. Ukraine, you got Kane! And oh, look at him. I love that moment where Harry Kane, you know, Harry Kane written off. Harry Kane got to be dropped. Harry Kane, it's not got it anymore. Charged away. Oh, just in wonder. In a pose that I love. It should be forged in bronze this very weekend. What did that feel like for you, Dave? The 1-0, four minutes. Was any part of you in scored too early mode? A little bit. I must say, I'd love to say I didn't. I'd love to say I just trusted. But I was like, ooh, four minutes. This is a game that England now are going to fall to sleep a little bit and let Ukraine gradually find their way back into the game. And I was right for a bit because that's exactly what happened. You know, God, I've got to note this. Got to give Raz, Raz love because Raz deserves every little ounce of love. He has assisted Harry Kane six times for England. Most one player's assisted another. Oh, for the English national team in all comps in the 21st century. Suck it, haters. That's why I love that. And I was like, holy crap. I said to myself, I shouted out, actually, an England team not <laughs> folding under the pressure of expectation. And I was watching it with my oldest son, Samson, who just turned to me and said, Dad, we just scored in the fourth minute exactly the same moment Rooney scored against Iceland. And I was ah. like, oh, nothing can go wrong now. Ian Dark of the same... Uh, wavelength mentally as Samson. He just flipped out an incredible stat. England have scored five times in the first four minutes of a Euros game and won none of them. Oh, Ian Dart, your big book of British depression is yeah. just, oh, just. It says English commentator Ian Dart, not American commentator yeah. Ian Dart, but two completely <laughs> separate people, two and very the, different people. 
The game became scrappy. Ukraine started to wait for England mistakes to charge forward, and England did make a handful. Kane, Walker, coughing the ball up cheaply, easy, easily. God love Jordan Pickey, called upon. I will say this, Southgate, another decision. Everyone laughed. He's trusting Pickford. He's loyal to Pickford. Pickford, who has given up how many goals this tournament, David? And, and Zero. It, it's paid off, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing look, up and down, Across the lineup, Rog, you know, waiting for Harry Maguire, waiting for him to come back from injury, a, a guy who played very little at the end of the season and waited for him. And everybody's saying, no, you can't take Maguire. You can't take Maguire and Henderson. They're just making up the numbers. They're there. What did Roy Keane say? He's just there to organize card games. You know, Henderson and even more so Maguire have been vital to England. Another brilliant decision by him. Luke Shaw. Widely derided. Another brilliant oh, I love I love watching Luke Shaw. Love it. And I'll say Pickford is way up for this task. But as a fan, I can speak from experience. Jordan Pickford celebrations, while they are joyous, they're not really something you want to see too many of. And then England started <laughs> to set up into a rhythm. They knocked the ball around, almost daring Ukraine to press them. Confident in possession. Raz, oh, like a fuse, so confident and bold. Ukraine barely had the opportunity to touch the ball. Sancho... I mean, Gareth didn't fancy Dortmund's Jaden Sancho, but my God, he, yeah. proper, he proper loves United's Jaden Sancho. <laughs> it's a different person. It's not the same player. He I got mean, a new player halfway through the tournament. What a week Jaden has had. Massive, massive move and first England start within a couple of days. I mean, it's not guesting on wait, wait, don't tell me, but I've got to say it's up there. He was super sharp. I loved watching him. But then towards the end of the first half, England did go into sleep mode, Dave. This Ukraine team... Miguel Delaney noted had run 50 kilometers more than England in matches before this game. And on adrenaline and energy, they just started to press down the flanks. All of their goals had come from a cross or a combination from wide areas. They started to just charge at Carl Walker with the might of a thousand troll farms. England had to dig deep. We were a bit worried. That's a funny thing. At halftime, oh, you know, but then Ukraine came out for the second half. All that talk we've done about Kevin being the elite name these days, Dave, and we were just sleeping on Harry. Yeah, Harry, set piece. You know, not sure it was a foul uh, on the on the, the the top left side of the Ukrainian penalty area. Excellent ball played in uh, by Luke Shaw. We haven't seen many goals resulting from free kicks in this tournament, but there was just an excellent ball played in from Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire just there to absolutely thump it. Yeah, I tweeted, weapon, Harry Maguire, and a wonderful Scotswoman tweeted back and said, yeah, we are weapon something else in Scotland, so I agree. That was the weapon I went, that meaty English forehead. Finally, Davo, an England goal from a set piece, which was the main source of strength for them. In the 2018 World Cup, and in that moment, it wasn't clear if football was coming home, but it knew where home is, and it's aware of the option of returning. <laughs> At USC, Homie tweeted us, football's just put home into the GPS. And then, within four minutes, Mount drove down the left, found Raz, who found Shaw, the cross god. Oh, Harry Kane nodded it in. Harry's three, Ukraine nil, you got Ukraine. Luke Shaw, yeah. Dave. Luke Shaw, a man, a man reborn. 
a man who during the first half pretty much passed the ball backwards every single time he, he got the ball. He may have made a tiny bit of an adjustment in the second half, decided to move forward, and his crossing has just been superb during this tournament. His movement, he's playing all over the inside left role. Uh, he's really, I think Ian Dark said at some point, Dark, Ian Dark, he said he's nailed down the position. He truly has, and is playing better in that position than, you know, now that Spinazzola's injured, he's uh, probably the best left-back left in the tournament. Darkey probably hobbled off, determined to find a statistic that will undermine Luke Shaw's play in the next game. <laughs> but my God, if I were Luke Shaw, I'd be sliding a copy of this match into Jose's DMs, and if he ghosts, just turn up to his home, staple it onto his forehead. It also probably means Delhi's going to be the star of, uh, of the World Cup. Um, in uh, in in Dubai, yeah. whatever the hell it's going to be four nil. Even Hendo scored. <laughs> By the way, if it leaves Qatar, it probably would go to Dubai. Whatever the hell it's there is, be. there are envelopes and there is cash. Oh mate, well Baku, Baku, don't diss Baku, Baku the proper yeah. home of football. Yeah, they they really know how to bring atmosphere to a, they to a do. major international they do. football they game. They really do. <laughs> you know, and when you watch a game in Baku. You're like, wow, I didn't know Baku was really into football. And then they cut live and you realize, oh, they're not. How? Honestly, Baku, a city I'd never heard of in my entire life. It now has Grand Prix. It has massive football games. It's just, it's, oh, it's amazing. I think Texacana arguably is more into (laughs) its football than Baku. But my Lord, this was 4-0, a Harry and the Henderson movie promo, a night rip from Southgate's greatest dreams. I mean, when he did, it was a joyous moment when he did that mass substitution, you know, shut down his players on yellows, his tired players, bring them all off and on. It was like a moment of joy, delirium <laughs> and wonder, almost silencing those in the media who still believe he doesn't know what he's doing, David. Yeah, especially when he brought on Prince William for Luke Shaw. That was amazing. He's uh, literally, there was, he was running out of Englishmen on the bench to bring on. Um, yeah, he should, he won't, he's going to bring on the half brother, Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot going. You can't say that anymore. But it was a uh, yeah, what it Prince? Was Am I not allowed to yeah. call him Prince anymore? Is he not no. a Prince? We take no, it I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe oh, we're mate. working on it. The game ended with a swagger. England fans chanting "Ole, Ole, Ole." It's hard to believe, David, but it was a fitting soundtrack for an England team that play. With control, they play control football. They've still not conceded a single tournament goal. They look to not to expose themselves as their first and second priority. Then they trust their quality up front to do the rest. Do you see a a proper tournament team when you watch them play? I mean, Rogelio, there were moments during that second half when I was watching them knock the ball around, when they started knocking it together with some speed, when they were really playing with some flair, that I thought, this isn't like watching England. It's like watching a different country play football. Jaden yeah. Sancho just like running at his man, like Bellingham came on and so some of the class of his touches. Henderson doesn't look like he's a player that's missed a beat. I mean, yeah. they were just knocking it around for fun. This did not look like England. It, I mean, looks, like, it looks like a CONCACAF Nations League challenger, doesn't it? Though, yeah, they, they may do well in that tournament if they're allowed in. And you know what? With CONCACAF, everything's possible. Everything's up for negotiation. Just back that track, <laughs> that track of cash up right here, please. Sir. Yeah, the CONCACAF <laughs> Nations League final from Baku. <laughs> oh, David, let me ask this. Was this? Only to be a Debbie Downer, or as we call it, a Debbie Ian Darker. What um, was it that it was just Ukraine? How much of it today? It was unbelievable for you, plural. 
Um, <laughs> well, what, how much of it was it that it was just Ukraine? You know, Ukraine, look, this is a function of the uh, expansion to 24 teams of the tournament. Ukraine, you know, a third-place finisher in their group uh, who happened to just win a pretty good last 16 performance against 10-man Sweden. Um, but this was a function of that. Still, it's not easy to beat teams like Ukraine in the quarterfinal of a European tournament 4-0. And certainly, Ukraine had a moment where they came back in that first half but they gassed themselves out. They were just running so hard. They just knew that that was the moment they had to find something. They were totally gassed in the second half and England took advantage. And probably had they been pressing, 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 could have probably scored more. Um, this was a good performance. This is a very good England team. Yes, Ukraine aren't good enough, but England is certainly good enough to be in the semifinals. I think they will be, you know, slight favourites let's, let, let, Denmark, let, let's, get in, let's get into that one when we've, we've handicapped the Danish thing. Well, one weird note for you, another weird, like, Roger sowing doubt question about a team he doesn't care about. Oh, you, yeah, right. you, 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm working we. hard on it today. You, do you, your team yeah. have, have not yet battled a, adversity. A they have not yet had to fight back. Mm. They get, they've got to a semi-final without really having been punched in the face. Yeah, that, that, I will say that's the one benefit of risk-averse Southgate ball. But you kind of wish they had that they proved themselves in the in the crucible of pressure. I actually think that that um, qualifying group was harder than most people gave it credit for. I think Czech Republic and Croatia turned out to be pretty good teams. I think they certainly had some adversity. You know, certainly the the reaction of the media and many fans after the Scotland game, and then they beat Germany. So it's not like they've just cruised here with no story. I think they've gone through quite a lot. So I think they've got it, but I don't think they really care. I think their coach, Gareth Southgate, he cuts the air of that sort of lower school headmaster. You know, the lower school headmaster who everybody knows is more talented than the headmaster of the upper school, but he's less political in some ways. But you know at some point he's going to go on and he's going to go and get a headmaster job and he's going to be amazing. He just has these boys so level-headed about everything you read their you you listen to their press conferences i guarantee after this game every single thing they say you'll go yeah that's right that's the right way to approach it they're going to give a lot of credit to denmark they're going to talk about this being a very tough game they're going to say all the right things you know what has them very well drilled they they even brilliantly just keep sending jack grealish out to say really diffy things like what's an encyclopedia or like if what would i do if i wasn't in football i'd be a Probably a, a plaster. No, I wouldn't be a plasterer. I'd be a, a club promoter in Ibiza, getting the people into the clubs. I think they push him out on purpose to try and make sure that there's like no stories whatsoever about warm and joyous ones. What an incredible bloke he is! Yeah, he Jack Grealish is certainly, certainly way better looking until he starts talking a bit no, like David oh, Beckham, a bit like me. So the, uh, <laughs> the, the the reality is the thing I loved about this England performance. Were I an England fan, which I'm not, yeah. But were I was just the yeah. professionalism at the final whistle. No overt celebrations. No yeah. wilding out. Southgate immediately debriefing with his, with his assistants. Kane just walking off, eyes on the prize. This was just a step. This was not the beginning. This was not the end. And I really admire. I said this at the top the psychological preparation that they have clearly poured into this. You know, Gareth Southgate taught from the very beginning of this tournament, pace yourself, play your way into form, peak at the right time. It has all come true. He is such a fascinating psychological leader, such a fascinating, empathetic leader. Said this before, tweeted this out actually this afternoon. If 
Gareth Southgate was bloody Prime Minister, England would be Scandinavia, Dave. And now they're just two wins away from a trophy. Really, really, really remarkable. Um, oh, God, how excited are you? Give it, because obviously not as a non-England fan, this is just objective for me, but how are you? <laughs> Give me, get, inject some emotion to it because I don't have any. I'm excited. I think this is a very good England side. And I think the Denmark game, I know we're going to get to it later, is going to be very hard. But I'm telling you right now, Italy and Spain would rather play Denmark in that final than England. Um, England can do much more damage to an elite team. And I think Italy and Spain are probably, you know, if England do make the final, Italy or Spain would be a favourite over them, even at Wembley. But neither of them want to play England. I think this is a great team, very well coached. We've got so much talent that we're still leaving on the bench. Look at the players who didn't play today, Rog. Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Bakayo Saka. None of them played. Um, so many good players still to come. That's not to mention, you know, Tyrone Mings and Ben Chilwell, all sorts of Tom Davis. great players. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not in the squad. Rog, is he even English? I don't know. Uh, it's uh, irrelevant. I have um, I have no I have no human emotions at all. So I'm just going to leave as my last words on England a soliloquy from Richard II by William Shakespeare. Shaggers, you might have heard of him, Davo. This royal throne of kings, this scepter dial, this earth of majesty, this seat of Mars, this other Eden demi paradise, this fortress built by nature for herself against infection and the hand of war, this happy breed of men, this little world, this precious stone set in the silver sea, which serves it in the office of a wall or as a moat defensive to a house against the envy of less happier lands. Devo, this blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this England. Yeah. I think Jordan Pickford's probably reading that in the locker room as we speak. Oh, I've got to tell you, I mean, Rog, England have made the semi-final of two major tournaments in a row. That's this England have done that. You know, that seemed a million miles away. I remember sitting at you at a restaurant in in Rio in oh, 2014 bless. and talking about how England are just the most depressing international side. Their record over international tournaments during our lifetimes, how poor it's been. Suddenly, this has turned around. You know, it's just taken two tournaments. And England in the semifinals of their second major tournament in a row. Croatia can't say that. Belgium can't say that. France can't say that. Germany can't say that. This is England who are, you know, right now, they're a form team. Two semifinals in a row. You'll never sing that. It's got a nice catch to it, Dave. Let's dive into, I'll take it. Let's dive into the Denmark Republic against the Czech Republic. Yes, Czech Republic one, the Denmark Republic two. After losing their first two tournament games and their best player to a horrific in-game medical emergency to which the entire world bore witness, the tournament darlings only go and make the semifinals, Rog. What a story. This tactically astute side jumped out to a fifth-minute lead through a Thomas Delaney header. They then doubled that lead through Kasper uh, Derberg. What a tournament he's having. The Czechs pulled one back early in the second half to make it a little nervy, but they're red, they're white, they're Danish dynamite. What a team, Rog. Oh, David, quite a quick housekeeping note from producer J-Dubs. If you are new to Spotify Greenroom, just follow Men in Blazers, follow Davo, follow me. You'll know immediately when we go live in the future and jam us up in the face. We go, Davo, to Baku, that traditional home of football. 
Yes. Two of the most collectively joyous and effective squads facing off just Danish dynamite against the Czech Republic, best Republic since Banana, a team we've said you underestimate at your peril. However, from the off, really, they were who we said they were and not in a good way. Backline confusion amplified by a terrible referee decision that gave the Danish a corner when it was goal kicky. And on five minutes, David, 1-0. Danish delight. Yeah. Thomas Delaney, a Danish player with an Irish name. Um, fantastic finish. And uh, 1-0 to Denmark. Technically, by the way, not only well-drilled, well-coached, technically, every single player on that Danish side is such a good footballer. I love watching him, and you saw it in this goal. He looked like he was utterly free, left completely unmarked. The reality was it was like an NBA set piece. There were blockers, there was movement. Delaney was free because they got him free, and he headed it. With wicked menace. He essentially headed it further than I can kick a ball, but with incredible precision. 24th headed goal in that moment. Bunch more for England today. This, uh, the most in a single edition of the competition coming off the, uh, the old slab heads. This is the tournament of slab heads and this Danish team. They spread the goals. I mean, so many different goals. I think the most in this tournament, just spreading the goals. Hardly anybody's got two. It's like Braithwaite, Christensen, Delaney, Damsgaard, Dolberg, Mailer, Paulson. Just collective spirit reflected in how they get their goals. And then an amazing footballing moment that I will never forget. At Lucia Guzzi tweeted us to say, nearly halfway through regular time in the Danish game and no mention of the watch saga on the broadcast. (laughs) What is this nonsense? And I retweeted that, David. And within seconds, within bloody seconds, Derek Ray, as if he was following our Twitter, which he may or may not have been, started to tell the story. I crap you not, he started to talk about Dolbear being like, he's had a terrible year. He's had COVID twice. He's had appendicitis. I swear we never got to find out if he was going to mention the watch or leave out the watch because what happened in that second, David? Oh, another goal, Rog. And this was an amazing, amazing goal and an amazing finish by Dalberg, who has been you know, in many ways, the uh, Danish player of the tournament and has stepped up, a player who we've always known has such great talent, such potential, and he's stepped up and just what a finish by him at the end of this move. Oh, and an amazing the cross, the, the ball, ball from the ball, the ball from the left, the outside of the right foot. That was, oh, that mate, was a thing of beauty. More Atalanta pride in this tournament of Atalanta pride. Just an impudent cross outside of the right boot, curled around. I believe, I have to look at it again, but I believe it curled around the entire Czech Republic and a little bit of Slovakia too. And who was there to finish it off? Just propelled by the searing agony of the loss of the watch. It was Dolbear. You bastard stole my watch below the emotional arc. As you're saying, you know, we, we all keep talking about the emotional arc of this Danish team. It's so well drilled. It's so tactically intelligent. And uh, honestly, whew, I would say this... This arc from devastation to glory, from death to life, is one of the most scintillating tournament football campaigns I have ever seen. It's just the greatest human theatre. And yes, the Czechs made a bit of a go of it. Schick getting his goal. Really, it was a proper shit goal to tie Ronaldo for most goals at Euro 2020. But it was not enough. There was one late drive from Barak, which sizzled wide. I shouted at the television. This was a nice moment for me. I shouted, he drove it really hard and low. And I shouted at the television, oh, that could have gone anywhere. 
And again, my son, Samson, he said, oh, dad, that is the phrase I most associate with my childhood. You <laughs> shooting at the television going, oh, that could have gone anywhere. <laughs> it's Beautiful. a dad line. It's yeah, a dad line. it's such a dad line. Denmark become the first team to make the semifinals after losing their first two games. Just a team of destiny. We are so happy. I don't know if there's any Danes. In this green room, we welcome you if that's the case. Really, you filled the void left by the Irish fans, just bringing all the joy, drinking all those beers, singing all those songs, just the wonders of football, the smiles, the dreams, the memories. To me, watching them, oh, it's just amazing. It's all that's great about football fandom, David. Can I just make the case, though, that obviously this is a Denmark team forged together by what happened to Christian Eriksen, the awful events of that first game of the tournament um, and his miraculous, thank God, his recovery. But this Danish team are also bloody good at football. They're not just succeeding in this tournament because of what happened to Christian Eriksen and the team spirit and the unity that came after that. They're also there because they are excellently coached, because they're technically excellent footballers. And these players on the field are stepping up and beating their opposition in every single game. And I think that... At a certain point, you know, look, you can run as an athlete, you can run on emotion for only a certain amount of time. And then, you know, technical power, superior tactics and better execution have to take over. And I think that's what we're seeing from Denmark. I think I, we are going to see a semi-final for the age. I cannot wait. Davo, set us up and we'll have a quick little look ahead before we dive into the GFOP questions and welcome you incredible human beings, up onto the stage. Gem us up. Gem us in the face. Oh, Rog, yeah. So Italy are going to play Spain on Tuesday. That's going to be a ridiculously good football game. England versus Denmark on Wednesday. Both those games at 3 p.m. Eastern time, Rog. I mean, look, I've give you my opinion, but how are you handicapping England's chances? You know, the real focus for England, as far as I'm concerned, are to make sure that justified confidence does not go too far. I think the psychology team are so key here in the England camp. I remember watching the USA get out of the group of death at World Cup 2010, and I knew they were done. I knew they were finished, Davo, when I saw them have beers at the final whistle in the locker room with President Clinton. It was like, it was just like, it's too much. It's just too much in a tournament to have your team look down at the wire. They're walking on that high wire. You can only fall in that second. And I've got to say, remember this England team started off with half the country just tearing them apart for taking the knee before this tournament. They have now unified this country. They have made them all believe England is delirious. Tonight, England is Philadelphia. They need to grease up every telephone pole. The whole nation is going to be going bonkers, Davo. But mentally, Gareth Southgate, if he can keep his players in that bubble, keep them away from that pressure, that weight of expectation, that realisation that they are 180 minutes away from the dream of every English school kid, I mean, that ultimately is going to be the definitive task. You know, this just in from DraftKings, uh, our partners at Men in Blazers, you know, England minus 143. This is on the money line, regular time. And Denmark plus 430. That's a pretty significant advantage in terms of the, the market's uh, point of view towards the US. To advance is slightly lower, minus 2. 
uh, 86 to plus 220 for Denmark. But, you know, England, I think, are justifiably favourites. Um, they've got a lot off the bench. They've got a lot of players who they can keep fresh. You know, Denmark are going to be coming in a little more tired, less days rest going into this game uh, for uh, for each team, you know, playing midweek right now. Um, I think it's a... Uh, I feel good about England. I feel good about their chances. Um, it's going to take a very strong Danish performance and a very weak English performance for Denmark to advance. I, I, happen, I, I just want to acknowledge, for lovers of pronouns, I think you all heard me, uh, Davo, call England the US when he was giving those betting odds. But I'm not going to make, I'm not going to publicly call you out on it. It was a moment <laughs> of one that I made. We're, play, gonna, we're, like, we're as strong as the United States of America today. We're, we're in Nations League. Uh, Nations League Cup kind we're, of form we're, right we're, now, the, we're, the, we're just the UEFA America. We wish we were the UEFA America. At Nat Riggs, I'm going to give him the final word, he or she the final word, uh, tweeted in to say not to stoke the nationalism, but there's more than a thousand years of history in the England-Denmark rivalry. Yes, Nat Riggs, you are obviously referring to the Dane law given yeah. to uh, the north and east of England that came under the control of Danish raiding Vikings in the latter half of the ninth century. You all know about the Viking raids culminating in 1013 when the Viking king Swain Forkbeard conquered the whole of bloody England. Yes, that will be on the front of mind for Raz and Cain. Let's redeem ourselves from the Vikings. Yeah. Oh, mate, it's going to be amazing. Let's get right to it, though. GFP, GFOP wonder. Let's open this green room up to some sanity, Davo. Do your little read. Yes, we're going to be back here on Spotify Green Room to continue with you all uh, after those semifinals on Tuesday and Wednesday. But right now we want to get into the Q&A portion of the show. We're going to call you up onto the stage, invite you to speak. Roger will actually do that. When you move to the stage, though, please just remember to stay muted until we call on you. Rogelio, who is up first? Oh, mate, it's an old GFOP friend live from who knows where. Oh, he's just had his end-of-season Sunday league football party right before the England game, so God knows what shape he's in. Welcome to the stage. It's Mr. Chris Willis. Good evening, America. Hello, Chris Willis. Where are you? How are you holding up? How many in are you? I am still at the pub, just out in the garden. Luckily, it's July, so it's only just stopped raining. <laughs> we are, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you know, we're... we're I don't know what you want me to say, Rog. To be honest, yeah, we're, um, England are in the semi-finals. Yeah, <laughs> what else can we say? <laughs> uh, how are you feeling? That's what we want to know. Give us. I want to know the beer. I want to know the number of beers that have been necked back and the level of anxiety you're feeling about the next two steps. Listen, I'm certainly in double figures of the beers. Um, if I was to say anxiety, anxiety this morning was huge because I was at the Germany game. I managed to get a ticket. All of those away games I was telling you about in Eastern Europe have finally paid off. I got a ticket for Germany. Um, and I wasn't that worried about that because Germany could beat us. That was fine. Once we beat Germany, it would be very, very England or very, very Gillingham to lose to the <laughs> much weaker team in the next round. You know? can, that's, how can, it works. that's how it works. For any team I've ever followed, you beat the team that you shouldn't beat and then you get to the next round against the team you should just walk all over and you blow it. Can you so paint, 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 paint the picture for us inside the pub when those goals were just pouring in? No one really knew what to do, Roger. I mean, 
you know, it's been eighteen months here. I, I know, I know. In you know, from my Nashville fan, uh, friends in the MLS, I know they've been able to go to games for a few months now. We haven't here, apart from anything semi-pro. So it, it's the first sort of game that we've all watched in anger, in, in a way. Do you know what I mean? To, to actually celebrate goals and really want the team to win. So when the goals went in, it's the first time since February 2020 that anyone's actually really given a damn as the goals went in. I think we all sort of forgot what to do. <laughs> you meant to rip your shirt off and just pour your beer on your head, mate. Listen, I, I did that at Wembley and um, I, I, I even took my seat. I, I, the first goal that Sterling scored against Germany, I came back to my seat from about three blocks round and my seat was lying on the floor. So I do have seat 183 from Wembley, block 108 is in my house right now. <laughs> and it will forever be... Listen, these are the things... I mean, you know, England winning the tournament against anyone is great, but to beat the Germans in a tournament in a knockout game, it's, it's once in a lifetime. It's something, you know, I'm going to give that to my daughter in 10 years' time and she's going to, you know, it, it, that is a memento. That's that's sort of an heirloom now. Chris, it's Davo. I mean, doesn't this England team, though, seem... Very not like any England team we've seen before. Yeah, because they're confident and they know what they're doing. Yeah, right? so, you know, I mean, I grew up sort of with the 2006, the golden generation, Beckham, Lampard, Gerrard, Terry, Ferdinand, Owen, Rooney. You know, that team should have won tournaments, but you never really believed they would. This team now, sort of player for player, are they as talented as that team? Probably not. You know, they're, you know, they're a lot younger. They probably will be that talented. But you've got players like Pickford who they're twice the player for England that they are for their club team. And that's, you know, we've always had the opposite as England fans. We've always had players who are twice the player for their club that they are for England. This lot, they're so much better in an England shirt than they've been for anyone else. It's, um, you know, that's where the belief comes from, you know. Oh, mate, 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 I've got one last question for you, then we're going to let you get back to just ripping your shirt sleeve. I never understand why. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I don't know. I'm quite fascinated why it's now just like you rip your shirt off at football games and just well, like you're all out. double figures, Rod, so, you know, <laughs> we don't need shirts anymore. Here's my question for you. Kidding aside, can you put into words how much does this mean to you and your mates, people who have supported England their entire life, who's travelled midweek, which is bloody hard, across the continent to support this team, to support this team when they've crapped the bed? And then have to drive all the way back. How does it feel to you in this moment after the 17 months listen, you've been through? Put it into words for us. Listen, it's not just England. The, the main, I tell you what, all the time when we had lockdown and coronavirus and we couldn't what we had to watch Jules play on the streaming on the internet and stuff like that, you sort of fall out of love with it. You're like, why do I like this game? What, I don't really get football now in this sort of situation. It was great to ride the roller coaster again on Tuesday. It was great to turn up nervous as hell you know, desperately holding in a poo because I didn't know what was going to happen. Every time Germany got the ball, being terrified of what happened. When the goals went in, the relief that came out, it, you know, I think everyone, you know, I, yeah, listen, no, no one else in Europe will agree that the English deserve it, but anyone deserves where they are now, right now. You know, the Italians deserve it. The Danes deserve it, especially after what they've been through. You know, everyone deserves it now. It's been a, the worst 18 months of my life by a long way. A lot of my mates would agree it's been the worst 18 months of their life. You know, hitting the semi-final of the Euros and still not really even playing our best team at the minute. Everyone deserves it. You know, it, it, yeah, this is what mate, football does. Mate, I've, mate. I've forgotten everything. I, You know, everything that happened in the last 18 months to me is gone from my head. All I remember now is we beat Germany in 2020. You know? oh, Chris, one Chris. last question for me. What? Who has stood out for you? 
who you didn't expect to stand out for you in this tournament for England? It's a funny one. I, I, I said in the first time I came to you, it was Calvin Phillips. I still didn't expect him to do what he, you know, be as big a player as he's been. But since then as well, you know, Raheem Sterling and, and Harry Kane, they've not played well really as for a 90-minute game. But they've all come up big at the times we needed to come up. They've turned up with goals. It, you know, everyone's come, you know Jordan Pickford, who gets so much stick for playing for Everton. Rod, you'll know he's not a very good keeper for Everton, but he's Rubbish. never put a foot wrong in an England shirt. He's never done anything wrong in an England shirt. All of them are just turning you know, up. When God, they need to turn he's, up and... he's, he's actually been very good all season. I'm contractually obliged to say that. You know what? <laughs> we are go- we are going. We won't talk you- about Rafa. We are, are going to let you go and have your nervous poo. We are grateful to be with you. What oh, you it's said, all coming out, and I'm getting what, to what, you. what you said about England and what you said about your life, what you said about lockdown is truly beautiful, and we will not forget. Go and enjoy your night, Chris. You gorgeous human being. We'll speak <laughs> to you. Thank you very much. Win or lose enjoy your evening, on guys. Wednesday. Enjoy, mate. You incredible human being. Courage. We can't wait, mate. <laughs> oh, up to the stage next. Oh, we got to bring Jen. Jen, welcome to the stage. Where you're from? What's your question? Hi, I'm Jen from Hillsborough, North Carolina, a little bit north of Chapel Hill. Oh, and, God's country. Yep, and big Courage fan, Chelsea fan, Lady Tar Heels fan. Um, and my question is a bit different. Um, I, one of my closest friends who I have known since freshman year of college, about 20 years is about to have her first kid. And she is two generations removed from Denmark. And after everything with Christian Erickson happened, I texted her and said, you should name your, your upcoming kid, Christina Erica in honor of Christian Erickson. <laughs> to, to which she replied, um, my name is Kristen. That's a little too close for comfort. So maybe not. Um, so I'm wondering, is there another Danish footballer I can suggest to her at, with a feminine, at least name you can change to feminine for her, for her upcoming kid in December? I mean, look, I think Kristen Jr. would be solid. Not enough women have juniors as kids. I think that's a good idea. Um, I mean, the other thing is, Let's face it, she's going to need from her best friend, she's going to need a $75,000 Rolex for her kid. So I hope you're willing to do that in honor of her Danish football heritage. What other names, Rog? I Danish think, names. If, it, if it's a girl that she's having. Yeah. I think you could call it Peniel Harder after one of the greatest footballers in the world at the moment. Just an incredible striker, an incredible human being who is changing the face of the women's game. In every way. And I've always thought this, never mind about Danish or not Danish. I think Schmeichel's a beautiful name for a girl to be candid. <laughs> what do you think? Go with those suggestions. Casper Laudrup is, uh, is also still available. But my God, why would you call your kid anything if you come from where you come from, Jen, other than just Beasley's Chicken and Waffles? That is the most beautiful name. <laughs> Well, I mean, she does like that, and she has had a fair number of fried chicken and Taco Bell cravings during this pregnancy so far. I, I am going to be coming in. If I live where you did, I'd be naming my kid after, um, after Lynn Williams in every single way. To you, to your friend, to your friend's health in the next couple of months, and let us know where you end up. But Peniel Harder uh, would be a suggestion that will lead oh, to footballing greatness. We are going to welcome to the stage... Oh, all the way from downtown, it's DB. Derek Brown, welcome. Where are you from? What's your question? 
Gentlemen, you guys are the best. Thanks for having me. Uh, where, where are you? Akron. Oh my lord! The Andre Yedlin built. Oh, the 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 world headquarters of man zips football mania and Purell. It's it just. I imagine there's a huge river of Purell in that town. You just pumping it out to the world, Derek. What is your question? Go zips. Go zips, indeed. Uh, my question is. So I support Chelsea, but I love rooting for England because it's Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Harry Maguire, all these guys that usually during the season I'm like worried about how their form affects the Premier League table. But now I get to root for them, you know, go crazy. What do you, who's an international player that you love rooting for, but they play for a club rival, so you have to cherish those few moments they're in their international jersey? I mean, look, I'd say almost every single member of the England team who isn't Mason Mount. Um, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, cheering. I must say Harry Kane, I have so much respect for. I've had so much respect for him for so long. But for me, cheering Jordan Henderson's goal today, um, cheering Bakayo Saka, who plays for Arsenal, like the only team I really struggle with uh, in England uh, because that rivalry is so good. You know, today, even watching... Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford starting to form the partnership on the left that could undo Chelsea's title hopes for the next 10 seasons. It's difficult. That's one of the things about international football. You have to take, you have to take away your club um, loyalties and just like give it to your nation. It's just, it's very, very tough. And the other go, it goes the other way around. I'm going to have to cheer against um, Christensen on Wednesday night. A player I love when he plays for Chelsea. It's going to be very tough watching him play for Denmark. Dave is so much more bigger hearted than me, as you, you know, that goes without saying. Anyone listens to our <laughs> I'm a podcast? I'm a well. larger man. Now, I, I always, as a kid, found it deeply problematic when England played. Um, I, I couldn't stand cheering the Liverpool players and the Manchester United players. I found it almost impossible. And it was very fascinating for me. Jamie Carragher wrote in his autobiography. Um, how much he couldn't give a crap about. You know, Liverpool, by the way, Liverpool people, it should be said, and we can talked about this a little bit, and I know you're kind of interested. Liverpool people got shafted so badly in the Thatcher era as a city um, that often, and there was a debate, and I wrote about this in my book, there was a debate uh, when I was a kid about seeding from the rest of England and becoming the Republic of Liverpool, which I always thought was a hilarious idea. So Liverpool people in general often did not feel that close to England, nor care that much about the English national team. And Jamie Carragher wrote in his autobiography that when he played for England, he actually didn't care whether they won or lost. Like He would die for Liverpool. There is no, there is no surprise. But he wrote, he said, you know, when I played for England, yeah, we win, great. If we lose, no biggie. But when I lost for Liverpool, he said that was utterly devastating. So the England national team for me, was always complicated. I, at the same time, I will say some of my greatest childhood memories were, were the World Cups in the, uh, 1986 where they did really bloody well and it just felt so glorious. 92, uh, 90, uh, 90 were TOO, not 92, but 90 was just a delirious summer in every way. And I'd left by 96, which was really the summer that changed the way the game, uh, then the role the game played. Um, in England, which was just, I mean, just the cool Britannia vibe and the English team just reflecting that and football. That's where football coming home all began. So I think it's super complicated. I tell you what's fascinating, just to cap this, Derek, a great question, mate. Thank you for bringing it, is 
we've never really had that problem with the American team. We are now having that problem. I can tell from your tweets. Yeah, you know, when when a Amer- when an American is now playing against your Premier League team, you know, with, in Juve- with Juventus or with Barcelona or with Chelsea or with Dortmund. It's problematic for many of you now for the first time. Pulisic playing for Chelsea, I see he's your icon, Derek Brown, and on your, um, on your Spotify green room icon. A lot of Americans who love Arsenal, love Tom, for the first time, we're having that dual loyalty friction. And I think it's bloody great. I think it's magnificent and possibly the greatest sign of the progress of the Americans game on the men's side. Derek, thanks for coming, mate. We're going to bring to the stage, without further ado, it's oh, Caroline Walters. And a cat. And <laughs> my cat. Yes, a Hello. cat that many people think is a dog, but I, I'll put them right for you, Caroline. It's a blood... Jack. Jack is its name, and cat is its game. Yes, he's definitely a cat. Um... <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> so my question is, um, is more for Davo again, because I'm a Chelsea fan. Um are you like excited? And you just said you're going to have a hard time cheering against Christensen or, or you know, cheering against Denmark. But did you realize that every single team in the final four has a Chelsea player starting? Yeah, you know what? I did follow this. Chelsea have had more players um, uh, in this tournament than any other team, more players, therefore, in the knockout stages than any other team. And there, look, you've got Dave uh, with Spain. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've got Emerson and Jorginho uh, with uh, Italy. Um, uh, obviously, Christensen at Denmark and England, Mason Mount. Ben Chilwell still hasn't got a kick, but plenty of players. And all of us former Chelsea players. We've got Morata, obviously, over with Spain, who's a, a former an old boy, an old boy who I actually wouldn't mind seeing come back at some point in the future. It would be a bargain at this point. Um so yeah, it's it's fascinating. It, it's good to see Chelsea doing really well. I think Chelsea are looking uh, very good for next season um, for those reasons. And the, you know, look at the number of class Chelsea players who are already out of the tournament. Kai Havertz, who looked great for Germany in this tournament, and he was their best player. Um, so I'm excited about it. Oh, here we go. Uh, the tournament of Davo, that's what it is. We thought it was a tournament of moment. Was a tournament, <laughs> but now we are going to go oh, to bring to the stage from Copenhagen, oh, our Danish guy, our GFOP on the scene there. Welcome to the stage. It's Mr. Runeborn Schwartz. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Congratulations, and Runeborn. goes the same. Same for you guys. So um, I don't care. Amazing. I don't care, Runeborn. You're not going to catch me out. I'm American now. But how is the mood of the nation? It's. Uh, I mean, the city has been blowing up. But what happened was, you know, that there was uh, all of you. You've seen the television pictures, people throwing beers in the air, and uh, the the mood exploding. What happened was that that like um, 15 minutes after that, the skies opened, and and it just, you know, it didn't pour. It was just, you know, coming down in buckets. And, and the amazing thing was that it didn't kill the mood. People were just standing <laughs> in the rain, waving the flags, jumping on top of buses. Uh, it was it was just it was really awesome. And uh, I mean, Runeborn yeah. Saturday night in Copenhagen. 
is pretty similar yeah. to that on a regular basis as well. So this yeah, must yeah, have just yeah. taken the volume up to eleven. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is something this is something special. And uh, yeah, I'm in my apartment now, and you know the cars are still going by with the horns and uh, uh, yeah, on all of the time. It's amazing. Oh, oh the just Chris. Spoke my, Go just on, spoke to my son on the phone who was just shouting, "We're not going home. We're going on." And it was like, yeah. Exactly. It's uh, so. is it hard to believe? This is what I want to know. You know, when we were all talking about pre-tournament favorites, pre-tournament dark horses, pre-tournament long shots, Denmark did not even get a look in. The tournament started in the single, I mean, just the most horrific human way. You looked death in the face and you survived it. You then lost a second game in which you outshot your opponents but could not get the yeah. win. You know, the mood was, it should have been a zombie team just playing out for, uh, for the love of the nation. But no, you rose up with tenacity. Do you feel like a, a miracle, just a, a team of destiny? How does it feel? How do you understand it and explain to yourself? But you know, there's, there's sort of like two, there's two different narratives. There's, there's the one, there's the one about, about the Danish national team, um, advancing and, and, uh, and, and doing good at, the uh, at finals. And we, we've done that many times, you know, uh, going, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 46. So I remember, 84 where we were in the semis uh, I remember 86 where we uh, where we where we beat Germany and uh, and uh, and uh, Uruguay and and then went off to Spain and I remember uh, 92 of course where we won uh, and I think I was uh, in in high school at that at that point and so so we have this sort of that's the one narrative that of the, of the football team and then there was what what happened actually uh, what unfolded uh, before our eyes and and it's sort of like yeah i think everybody had the same sentiment around the globe that it was unreal it was um devastating and it was uh, it put the it put the party on not just hold but it was like there is no party um but then we saw the we saw the players being open about their feelings we saw them sort of um getting together as a team um, we saw yeah the openness i think really connected with all of us and then we saw them the way they played against belgium was amazing and then came and i was lucky enough to be in the stadium uh, to see them to see the russia match then we saw that one and then suddenly you know the magic happened again we're we're back to the narrative of of just you know going forward just going going for it and uh, actually a lot of Danes think that we might just have a little chance you know to actually grab the trophy we're also just two games away you know 180 minutes get a little lucky against England and uh, fight it out against uh, I guess it's going to be Italy is, is my is my guess but uh, yeah Ooh, David <laughs> do, 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 do you want to ask for a prediction from from Roomborn? Uh yeah I mean I think the big thing is with Denmark. I do think that Denmark have a very good chance against England, but I think they're going to have to play some of their best football of the tournament, and England are going to have to play some of their worst football of the tournament. We've seen England do that against Scotland, and we've seen Denmark do that against the team you uh, the, the game you're at against Russia. What do you think it's going to take for Denmark to do really well from a footballing sense? Not just about unity, not no, just about togetherness, no. but actually from a footballing I, point of view, what do you what does Denmark need to do? I think uh, you know the the way the team is coached right now is um, is a, a very very aggressive attacking style of football, and I think it's going to be um, that's also why I wrote my question. What would a dream 
match looked like, you know, uh, because because we could go out and be utterly defensive and try to sort of uh, shut down certain uh, English players and uh, and sort of be uh, be physical, and that that would be sort of a traditional uh, underdog way to approach a match like that. But I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I actually don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to rely on on their own strengths and just go into the game head on. So so to answer your question, what what would it take to uh, to uh, to actually get, go on from the next stage? It'll it'll be the individuals, you know. It'll be um, it'll be up to the individuals in the in the defense. Uh, very much so, uh, Simon Kerr. Uh, can he actually? Uh, we need Casper Schmeichel to to make a, a huge performance. But it'll also be be on to Hybier and Delaney uh, on the midfield. And then you know we have so many, as you talked about before, we have so many different players scoring goals. So, so and we have you know the five substitute system. Uh, so so we have like a pretty good you know. Um, Pretty good uh, attacking side uh, and a very creative attacking side, but definitely, you know, the way we saw England today, yeah, <laughs> I, I got a little scared. <laughs> Runebrod, do not be afraid. You are a beautiful human being. You have, you know, in the medieval days, they used to say, "God is on our side, Hummel is on your side." Come back and be with us on Wednesday, whatever the result. Definitely. It's amazing to be with you, to you, to your nation. We wish you courage. Right there, Davo, you can see the contrast between the English approach, Chris Willis talking, holding in poos, and, and then we've got Rune Bird talking about empathy and the openness of the players. We're, we're going to do a speed round. You've all been amazing uh, holding on. We want to get you all up here. We're going to do a speed round uh, with the rest of the guests. Come on up. Kate Shadler, where are you? Oh, and what's your Hi. question? Hi, um, I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Love that um, place. Yeah, I'm waiting for you guys to come down to Gettysburg. You, you've said it a couple times. But, <laughs> uh, we were, but believe me, I've not left my, this studio in about 17 months. But sure, when I do, sure. it will be down to be with you. Go on, what's your question, Kate? Uh, so who do you think Hollywood will be casting in the inevitable um, film version of Denmark's fairy tale run in this tournament? Ooh. Dave, mm. what a great question, Kate. Wow, you've got a you've got a lot of people to cast. Yeah, but they're all going to be. They could do a Eddie Murphy and just do them with a with one man and playing every single role. You know, when Eddie Murphy's like Big Mama's House, starring Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy, and what? and the and the one actor would probably be um, would probably be Jamie Vardy. Now he's getting into the reality TV business. This could be a stepper role, his breakout role, David. You know, I know what's happened to the movie business. Movies have to be theatrical. They've got to be larger than life in order to get people to go to the movie theater. You need big stars in these roles. So I sort of feel like The Rock might want to play multiple roles in this movie. Maybe he doesn't want the Erickson role, but he's going to take the he, he's going to take the Schmeichel role. Um, uh, what about you know, Tim- Tim- Timoth- Timothy Chalamet? Will definitely play um, yeah. Dolbert. Dolbert, my watch. My yeah. watch. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. I think Matthew McConaughey may play uh, a Danish coach uh, because Conaghy's got into football a lot. I think he could, he he could definitely, you know, put on a few pounds around the middle to go and do that I role. Think it, he, may, dad bod. He, he may be battling Dolph Lundgren for that role, but I do think I do think Meryl Streep is going to just steal a movie with her hoibet. She's definitely going to steal that movie with the role of her life what a question put your answers in the comments tweet us with your answers oh we love that question we also love the great binky marsh a legendary gfop oh welcome to the stage binky tell the world where you're from and what your question is 
Oh, Raj and Dave, thanks for having me on. Uh, coming at you from Manassas, Virginia. Oh, home of Manassas. What's your question? Binky, I owe you an apology. I know you're one of the people who didn't get the Elliot Bay book and it's pissing me off wicked. I can't wait to speak to you on Thursday on the Zoom. Prince William County, Unite, where are you? What's your question? Yo, it's nothing. You, you and you and Dave will give us everything. I appreciate everything you guys do. Um, it's a two-part question. I really only care about the second part. Um, <laughs> what, what player uh, has has stock has risen the most, or they're really their summer transfer fee has gone up the most as a result of their plays in, uh, play in Euros? Um, and then part two, really, which player is Arsenal going to overpay uh, for as a result of their play in Euros? Thanks. Hey, Binky, what a great question. Huge Arsenal fan, huge Bournemouth fan. Dave, whose stock has gone up the most? Who will Arsenal ever pay for? Uh, I think that the answer to these two questions is 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 different um, because I don't think Arsenal will end up being in the market for this player because I don't think they'll be able to compete. In terms of percentages, there are players who've come from nowhere uh, to being somewhere, a number of Atalanta players. I think you know Spinazzola. I think he's a he, he's a much more valuable oh, player right injury. now. But there are a number. There are a number of the bit that might have taken him down again. But in terms of pure numbers, in terms of pure millions and millions of pounds or dollars, it's got to be Jack Grealish, because I think that as big a star as he was before, as big of a a want as he was before for many teams, I think people have realised the box office gold of Jack Grealish. He is the story whether he's playing or not playing. He is the player who's on every fan's lips. He's the shirt that every kid wants. I think Jack Grealish is going to end up breaking every single transfer record when he gets signed by City or United. Um, yeah, I mean, it was and I think it was, his it was, value has gone up It was the fascinating most. today watching Shevchenko walk up to him and give him a hug post-game, yeah. a player that didn't even play, but is definitely the story of the tournament from an English perspective. You know, another player I think is Kane. I think Kane, the story came out of this, if he'd had a damp squib, no goal tournament, the fact that he's now like the king again, it means that he's really burnished his stock and is going to be coming out of this with strong, swaggering confidence. The Arsenal issue, Arsenal, will. everyone wants an Italian now. There is no doubt. Arsenal will be in for Insigne, Immobile, Cellini, Locatelli. They'll come in for genuinely every Chiesa. They'll come in for Barella. They'll come in for Spinazzola. And they'll probably end up signing uh, Stefan El Shaari on the last day of the transfer window. Godspeed. What a gorgeous question. Quick, 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 quick. We're going to love and leave you just in the interest of time because we want to wrap this up. But the great Andrew O'Connor has been patiently waiting and we'll have the last word of the day. Andrew, where are you and what's your question, mate? Hey, Raj. Hey, Devo. I'm here in uh, beautiful Wichita, Kansas. Hey. And, and my question today is, at the beginning of the tournament, you, you said that uh, international football is weird because, uh, you know, the, the players don't have a lot of time to train and the managers don't have a lot of time with the players. But I'm wondering if the deeper a team goes in the tournament, does that start to take care of itself? And does success breed success? And adversity, you know, check, overcome, have a way of um, kind of taking care of that and forging a collective that, that can go all the way. What do you think? Devo. Uh, well, one second. Is this, are you a reverend, Andrew O'Connor? Y- yes, I am. Yeah, I actually am. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't, we don't have many 
uh, men of the cloth uh, <laughs> following us. So uh, that's I've, fantastic. I've, Look, this it's very rare. You tend to see better football as tournaments go on. And part of the reason is these teams get to train with each other and follow a system. And the managers have a sense of which players are reacting well and, and, and who aren't. I still think that for all of these teams who are in the uh, last four, it's going to require a breakout player who has not performed so far to step up and win the tournament for them. Um, you know, there are a number of players who still haven't had a breakout on every single squad that's in the final four. And you're going to need someone to step up. There, there will not be a team that will win because, you know, their two next opponents are going to play badly. A team is going to have to step up to win this tournament and they're going to have to win it. And they're almost certainly going to have to win it asymmetrically um, by employing some tactic or by employing some player that they haven't <laughs> used so far. That is very, very, very true. I mean, the reality is international football is still crap, even though they have played their way in. I mean, the other big difference of international football, obviously, that you cannot, um, that you cannot forge by playing together over time is in the Premier League, you have a weakness in any position. You go into the transfer market. Essentially, you go to war with what you have in a football tournament with the strengths and with the weaknesses. Uh, but these teams are forged, and mostly they have, they all have their own individual narratives right now. I mean, each of these teams have narratives. They've got their stories that they tell each other. They've got a stories that they tell themselves about themselves, and that's what they've gotten by going so deep. They can all make the case that they are the team of destiny. Spain, you know, no, all want, everyone doubted us. We were the team who passed. We couldn't score. We're still here. Unai Simon. Uh, Maratta redemption story. Italy, we didn't we didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup. We just stripped our team of stars, became a super collective. Played, you know, even our manager needed redemption. Mancini disrespected in the club game. All of us together march on with joy. England's narrative, you know, we've talked about it at great length. Denmark's narrative, best known of all around the world. And that is what's so fascinating. By the time you get to this sense of a tournament, each team sharpen narrative going against each other, and it will be delirious. I cannot wait, Andrew. Thank you for your question. I recognize your name greatly through social media over the years, and it's wonderful, wonderful to be able to speak to you. Let's go. Let's talk about Doll Bears Watch some more. Let's wrap us up, Daddy. <laughs> okay, Rog, we are going to be back on Spotify Green Room Tuesday and Wednesday next week after the semifinals. <laughs> Before we sign off for the day, can we get a toast, Rogelio? Oh, mate, I want to raise my Jägermeister, this bolt of human emotion in a shot glass to all of you. Listeners, GFOPs, hopefully in the green room, but the thousands more listening on the podcast as we head into July 4th. You know, this incredibly important July 4th to me. My book has just launched. I'm feeling like so bloody American. So I want to leave you with a song, line from a song. Producer J-Dub's favorite. He says, it's not exactly a deep cut, but in J-Dub's words, it's taken on a whole new meaning when he listens as an adult. So I say to you, this land is your land. And this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. Courage, GFOPs, really, really, really. Vendepunk, Rog. Oh, war pig. Was that a Rabona? I like snacks. Balds win, balds win. Take that, Gloria. Balds lose. To Tweed. Abrogado rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight America. Love you, Davo.
I love you, Rog. Roll on Tuesday, mate. Roll on Tuesday. I can't wait. We need more Euros in the face. Courage. Happy July 4th, GFOPs. Happy July 3rd also. It's coming up. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.